thinking of happy tree friends. She's like, where you got like a really like uh, cute thing, but then it gets really horror really fast and people seem to like that. So I got really lucky and just found people that resonated with my weirdness. And at the time I had no sense of shame. So it helped. Welcome back to the Founders Couch. This is a show about the most inspiring student founders and their intrepid journeys of starting their own thing. I'm your host, Kevin Jane. For this episode, I'm joined by my wonderful guest co-host, Chelsea Watanabe, a senior at MIT. Y'all might recognize her voice from season two. How's it going, Chelsea? I'm doing well. You know, it's crazy to think that it's been three months, over three months since I've come back to Dallas. And we're both in Dallas and, you know, <laughs> this over Zoom, which is like the most used app on my phone right now. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I'm glad we could do this together. Today on the show, we welcome Jenny Shu. Jenny is a recent MIT graduate who studied computer science. She hails from the Bay Area. Once a self-described shy kid, she's now the co-founder and CEO of Talofa Games, which is building a social running mobile game. So far, they've built a playable prototype and are building out their team. They recently won 300K at Niantic's Beyond Reality Developer Contest. But this isn't Jenny's first company. Seven years ago, when she was just a junior in high school, she founded JCSoft to release and distribute her games, which garnered over 9.2 million downloads. Jenny's other accolades include Forbes 30 Under 30 in Games, IGDA Scholar and Woman in Games Ambassador, and the MIT Outstanding New Leader Award. Yes, and this, I have to say, Catherine, is someone I definitely want to be following closely in the coming years. I first met Jenny when I was a second semester freshman at MIT more than two years ago, and she's one of those people you hear about before you ever meet incredibly multi-talented, not just academically, but also in pursuing some truly unique personal projects, which I know we'll get to talk about in our conversations with her today. Really excited to have her share about Talofa, especially as it seems like digital fitness is all the more relevant in today's COVID world of people being so aware of their personal health. This is definitely a good one. Now onto the show. Let's get Jenny on the couch. Hey, Jenny, Chelsea and I are really excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here too. So, um, Jenny, why don't we start off by kind of talking about where did you grow up and, and where are you from? Yeah, so I was right now as well. I'm in my home in Cupertino. That's where I grew up. <laughs> but yeah, I pretty much was here my entire life. I am now living with my dad and my brother as well. Yeah, only left for, for school in Boston, but came right back. <laughs> I feel like that's the general sentiment for both me and Chelsea as well at the moment. Yeah, it's all of us. You know, we're all in the same boat here. <laughs> exactly. We kind of gave a rundown of what, you know, your company does um, in the introduction, but could you describe what your company does in your own words, specifically Talofa? Yeah, so at Talofa Games, we're making a, a social running game. So essentially turning running into something that is generally, I guess, seen as like difficult or like sometimes very not fun and wrapping this whole fictional universe around it. These characters characters and the story that you only unlock through running more and like running with other people. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, as Catherine and I have been talking to you, we've discovered that this isn't your first company related to gaming either. You actually, you know, started another company called JC Soft before Talofa. So how did you get into gaming? Yeah, <laughs> I like kind of stumbled into it, I'd say, or I was just a huge fangirl of like Neopets, Pokemon, and my parents would always like buy me like Pokemon cards for my birthday. <laughs> oh my goodness, those are good times. I totally remember Neopets. 
yeah like i just remember being on those sites like way too much like making fan comics for the neopian times which was like the it was like what the cool kids did so we got published but like in this online on the website of an online game but being published like in a comic there was it meant so much to me and probably was my first time getting my stuff outside into like the real world so as like a more quiet child it kind of sparked this like whole like loving to like express myself create creatively because I didn't really talk in real life or interact with real humans. I see. So do you, would you say that's like your favorite part about gaming and what you love about it? Yeah, I, I'd say part of it's also just the love of creating these story universes. So kind of like I definitely got into gaming because I like just made all this like fan art and then that turned into making animations of the fan art. So now the fan art moved. And then like from there, like making my first couple of games, just copy pasting lines of code from Stack Overflow and like seeing all these like random ideas I have just like become reality. And like seeing the comments that people would post on that, I think was probably my favorite part. Like people just interacting with like the dumb stuff I would make and like laughing about it, like saying that they screamed because it was scary or just like people interacting and really emotionally connecting with the characters that I created too, like the whole like universes that I built just like from my, the depths of my dark mind, like people just seem to like it. And that I think feeling really kept me going for like the last 11 years now. Yeah, it's like a virtual little world, it sounds like. So I've never made a game, but what's involved? You know, like what's, what's the art and the coding like? Yeah, I always start off games just like drawing. So like even last night, I was just like sitting on my bed and like drawing like four or five pages of like character concepts and really thinking through like, what is this universe going to be? So that's like my process, but I'll just like take up blank piece of paper. I'll sit down, I'll play like lo-fi beats on Spotify and then just start drawing. And as I draw, like the idea for like the level starts to come, like it starts to flash itself out. Like I start thinking about like, yeah, what does the level design look like? Like, who are these characters? What's their tragic backstory? Like kind of what is the premise? Um, yeah, and like that's kind of the first step. And as soon as that wraps up, I essentially go into like developing like a very basic like prototype of it in, I guess now Unity, but then like really from there after coding like the basic stuff, going in and yeah, essentially putting that art into the game uh, putting in the music. Music always comes last for me. So it's like coding and then music and then getting people's eyes on it, like the initial beta testers. And yeah, really from there, just getting in front of people, seeing what they like. Yeah, that sounds like like such a journey in terms of making a game from like doing the art, the coding, um, like you said, and the music and the marketing. So a question that comes to mind is, how long does it take to create a game? Yeah, I'd say my games take anywhere from like, a day to make like if they're really simple like if I've made a bunch of them before like I'll just churn out a lot of games uh, some of them are like a day or two and then on the longest end I'd say the game that took the longest so far has only been four months so like it's anywhere from two days like four days to like four months but like this game that I'm currently working on with Talofa which is called Run to My Heart I've been working on it for like almost a year and a half but that game's not done yet so I wouldn't necessarily count it there yet like in the past it's always been really really quick iterations because like the gaming industry changes really fast it's uh out of the nor out of the ordinary for me to spend so much time on a game yeah 
So you mentioned a little bit about Tolofa and we'll definitely get there, but I kind of want to focus on um, JC Soft. And I know you created like, I think 10 mobile games and 130 under a pseudonym. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> I guess like a, a question is, you know, how, how do you think you're able to make so many um, under such a short amount of time? Yeah. I'd say being antisocial really helped when I was in middle school. Um, but also just like loving kind of the universes. I think, as I said, just like the feeling of creating and being able to see other people interact with it. It was like almost like an addiction or like an obsession or like building up this like community. I used a site called deviantart.com <laughs> to like post everything on uh, and like the community that started to form and like the fans, uh, the people who are always emailing me like, hey, when's the next thing going to come out? Like that just made me want to keep creating because it was that feeling that I was like finally doing something that like people really loved and resonated with. Yeah, just really wanting to, like, it's fun. Like, game making is, like, really fun. Just, like, the art of, like, drawing and coding and, like, seeing these worlds come to life. Yeah, that's really awesome. I can feel the passion through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, over these course of the 10 mobile games and 130, you know, you had over, like, 9.2 million downloads um, on your games for JCSoft. What do you think was sort of the secret sauce to getting that many people to play your games? <laughs> yeah, I'd say probably just having like a really weird dark mind um, <laughs> helped for me and being really in tune with the memes on the internet. Uh, I think I got really lucky with a lot of the games I'd made. Like at the time, like I just liked making fun of like myself and like making fun of like the idea of what a game was. So a lot of the stuff I made was like more experimental, like a lot more like self-deprecating or like self-aware. So the games themselves are like kind of making fun of games. And then I think at the time that was like a really popular thing. And then all the stuff I was making was like a little bit terrifying too, because I made a lot of horror comedy games. And I guess the closest thing to that to that is like thinking of Happy Tree Friends, which is like where you got like a really like uh, cute thing, but then it gets really horror really fast. And people seem to like that. So I got really lucky and just found people that resonated with my weirdness and at the time I had no sense of shame so it helped. So funny it sounds like it could be like a subreddit or something like I can just imagine people talking about JC Soft games. Did you post on reddit or you know hacker news at all? No I didn't post on hacker news uh, reddit I like made one or two posts but like none of them really took off I mostly relied on just like organic traffic, I'd say from like deviantart.com or Newgrounds or like YouTube. Cause there are some people that would like always play my games and like having them cover my, whatever game I like made next, it'd be like, oh look, like Shibishi made another game. And it'd be kind of wild to like see and think that they were, or realize that they were referring to me like on the other side. Cause I'm so used to watching the YouTubers but not being on the other end. Yeah, that must have been crazy. So I know you were running JC Soft, you know, um, kind of coming out of high school and into college, but how do you balance it? You know, I'm still in college. You guys are out of it, but I, I want to know how, do, how are you able to manage that? Yeah, I'd say a lot of it was like um, probably due to like just like that want and the need to like, I really wanted to like create and then I would try my best. Like every time I like came back from um, just like from cross-country practice, I would like sit down and just like make the game. 
and like I think there wasn't like as much of a balance when I was in like middle school high school where I would they say like choose like two of three which is like social sleep and like like your work or something and I would choose like everything but social so like that helped a lot as well just like really diving in on that the game making um, but like I think like definitely through college I focused a lot more on even just like the social aspect and like I talked more about my games like I would like talk more to people in general like made more friends and like that made me better at making games but like in a different way like learning how to build a team now that comes into like handy a lot um, but yeah I think it was like it was a lot to balance all of it and just to stay sane. So I don't think I like got it a hundred percent perfect, but it was like a priority in my life. And like, I would skip out on like social things to make my games or I would like not do my P sets at school to like make sure a critical release got out. So part of it was also, I think the priority that it had in my life. Wow. That's a lot of dedication. Yeah. Did MIT as an institute help you at any way, like any resources that you used or were you mostly navigating it on your own? I'd say that I, talked to a lot of the gaming professors and those were like some really cool people who had been in the industry before like they were really good about like connecting me to other people that I should talk to as well and the gaming classes at MIT I'd say were they're pretty good as well for finding people who are interested in it but I didn't know as many people who were actually interested in going into the industry like after college so there's like a little bit of like um I felt like a minority like within the classes whereas like I was actually going to go into the industry and a lot of the other people were um, not I guess interested in like continuing so that part I think was like a little different from expected like I thought I'd find more people who are interested in video games um, at MIT but found like a really small group and like a really good group that I like still stay in touch with and the professors as well I still talk to um, but yeah I think there's still like a good amount of resources um, and like people that are willing to help because gaming is like fairly small compared to tech and the people are like you start to see like kind of the same people at like industry events. Yeah, that's really cool. So I guess I know, you know, you're working on Telofa now. We're kind of moving away from JCSoft, but I wonder, you know, it sounds like you've been spending so many years in, in gaming and your passion for gaming is very clear, but I just wonder if has your family always supported you and, you know, your interest in gaming and, you know, giving up so much of your social life, it sounds like, for, for it? So how has their reception been? Yeah, I think uh, when I first started, like, on DeviantArt.com, I didn't actually, like, or my parents didn't really think much about it. They're just like, yeah, she's just, like, having fun online, like, as kids do. And it wasn't anything, like, that I was thinking of as, like, a long-term thing. But... Like, I think at a certain point, like, I was like, hey, look, it's, like, my art account. There's, like, a lot of people. And I guess my dad and my mom thought it was good because, like, if I was programming games, I was computer science. So <laughs> there's a part of that that I think they were, like, pretty happy about. <laughs> I see. That silver lining, I see. <laughs> um, but I think that, like, even just, like, with my games, they were always, like, willing to help. Like, they, my dad would always, like, be a beta tester, my brother as well. And my mom would help do like the finances for the games once they started making money. And like, just like having them all help out was like really awesome. Like even though my dad and my mom like don't play games and like my brother isn't a huge gamer either. 
like it was like the fact that they like helped me launch my games like helped me think about the design like helped me beta test like for like basically all of like middle school and high school was like really like pivotal for me because there was a lot of stuff that I couldn't share with my friends or like they wouldn't know kind of like the process and what that was like so having them was like really awesome um, but definitely like when I graduated college and like or I was going through college and I was like doing gaming full-time is something I want to do there was like a little bit of them that was like oh like you should go get a job at Google because then you can like have a stable job like you can go marry a, a co-worker at Google then you'll be stable and you'll have children and they're <laughs> they just worry that I'll like stress out too much like by doing games where it's like unpredictable like uh, undefined industry so they've always kind of cautioned me against it but like out of love and I guess now like my I'm essentially like working on my on Telofo with my dad and my brother and my mom's doing accounting so it's like now full full-on family business and they're really supportive because I think we're all really excited about like the potential and the impact that like the game that we're working on can can make and there are risks and the lifestyle's like not like always great or it's not like the most stress-free but it's I think worth it yeah it's awesome to hear you know how you you know continuously kind of have the support of your family even you know through the times so you graduate from MIT and then you actually pick up a corporate job or like a, a job at a startup before doing Telofa yeah so I had I had left college um and was convinced by like a friend to co-found a startup so I had done that, um, kind of moved across the states to um, work on this startup. And a lot of the reason why I did that was because I was scared of going into video games. <laughs> like probably just like a lot of the things that like my parents told me, just like a lot of the stuff that like my friends told me as well, because I didn't know anyone going into video games from MIT, like seriously. Uh, they were all kind of going into like starting tech companies, like talking VC, and I was like, definitely whisked away with that where I was like, okay, like I resigned to the fact that video games will always be like a passion project. Like everyone in the industry like has a burnout story, I think for games. And that's sometimes demotivating to hear, but at the same time, yeah, it was like, is reality that like most people in gaming work over time, they work crunch because you can take advantage of workers that love what they're working on and pay them less. So I like, really bought into that. I was like, all right, like, I'm just going to do this, like, tech startup thing, because it's, like, at least tangential to games in some way. I was, like, working on something, like, gaming related, um, but it wasn't, like, video game development. Um, so I had done that, and that whole experience, like, taught me a lot. Um, it wasn't, like, the best fit for me. Like, I think at the end of the day, it was, like, unhealthy for me to stay there as well. So six months later, I left. Um, like really not having a plan, just knowing that I needed to leave because it wasn't the right place for me. Like I was going to go insane and I was crying every day, just like from the mismatch and just like the, it just wasn't like the right place for me. Um, so yeah, that was like about a year and a half ago. And I essentially from that point, I had nothing and I had no plan. So that's kind of where Talofa started. And I was very lucky to like have people to kind of picked me up along the way. I like remember laying on like my parents' bed saying that I had no energy to like do anything and didn't like, didn't want to do anything. Um, but from that kind of point to now, 
definitely a lot has changed. Yeah, a lot has changed. You now have a company with employees, which is awesome. Um, so you said you were lying on that bed and kind of brainstorming or like you didn't know what you wanted to do with your, I guess, next stage of life. What was kind of the inspiration behind this idea? Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of it was like due to the help of my friends. Like I remember talking to like a couple of them. I had left the company in time to go back to MIT for senior, like the senior year festivities, kind of the last month, which is like the most fun. So I had like time to just catch up with a lot of friends. And I remember one was saying that uh, he had mentioned like, that I had made a lot of dating sim games. And <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of them before, but essentially they're like, you like have a cast of characters and you talk to them. But yeah, it's a pretty niche genre, but it was like, I made a lot of those games. And then I'd made a lot, and then I ran a lot and like did a lot of physical exercise. So kind of he had mentioned like, why didn't you like ever merge these? And like from that, like this idea for this game, like basically came from that day I like pitched it to him and he said it was a, it was a weird idea. Um, but he was like, if you're down for it, you should do it. And I like essentially went to like um, the game developer conference, which happens every year in March. But I had like pitched this idea to everyone that I met at this game industry event, which has like every year it's like 27,000 people that like go to SF and like talk about games. So I essentially talked to at least hundreds of people about this idea. I was like super excited pitching it and like they gave me feedbacks so, like throughout the course of the week. It's like changing up my pitch and on like one of the last days I had like talked to one of my friends at Niantic about the idea um, and she like mentioned that Niantic was doing some contest where the deadline was like in a week and that it actually got extended so it should have closed two weeks ago but then they extended it and they, they like cut down the required number of people too. So I was like, oh shoot, I like should probably sign up. I like didn't know what else I was doing anyways. So I like pulled my dad and my brother in. I was like, okay, let's sign up. We have a minimum team size now. And I made a video without telling them because it was too close to the deadline. And I was like, yeah, they're on my team. Look, <laughs> we're all here. And I showed a picture of us, even though it's supposed to be a video with all your team members. I didn't have that. <laughs> But that kind of took me on this like ride where we worked with Niantic, made a prototype, ended up like luckily like winning that like contest, that program and like getting to now like work even more on it. So kind of it's been a long year, I guess, since that happened. Yeah. So winning that competition, how would you say that changed things for you? Yeah. Oh, man, that was, it was definitely like one of the, I think, best moments in my life, just like I also have never like really seen my dad cry and like at that event he like was crying because he knew that kind of the fact that like we had hit something like and it was like a pivotal moment where like he had always wanted to make like a game that would help people's like mental health and like help people like essentially because he had like gone through depression like he wanted to like make a game that would like do good and like the game that we're making now like how it helps people's like physical health but also like mental health and like seeing that Niantic would back it and that like we had something good, like that was like a moment of like validation for like us, for our team, like for me as well, like not knowing what I was doing just like six months earlier to that, like having left a job that I thought I was going to do like for at least the next like five years, like I thought that was it. 
leaving that and then like doing games like not being sure if I could do games like as a full-time job but like now having like a little bit more funding to do it and just like feeling super lucky because like it wasn't it was like a huge amount of trust and like validation and just like pure like it was credibility too because I think being able to say that I won that contest like meant a lot in the industry because people knew about it and kind of for the first time having that like badge of honor being like I belong here like I did something so yeah yeah absolutely so you know you kind of you get this badge of honor as you would say um but you know the journey of entrepreneurship is often those highs and also the lows um what would you say in the past you know years of building um Talofa, what were like some of the biggest challenges that have come up along the way? Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I quickly realized it's the legal side of building a business. Like I didn't realize that there's so much that like went behind like running an actual company. That part I was like super unfamiliar with. So, like lawyers, like cor- in corporation, like what type of what type of business you run, like how to make sure you're not breaking any rules. Like that was probably like the first moment where I was like what have I got myself into? (laughs) Um, So that was definitely like a huge like shock to like have to go from like just like a hacker person like sitting in the basement like just working on games to like a CEO where like you're managing like the life of the company like hiring people like I was always too scared to hire people because I was like why would anyone ever want to like spend their life on something I made? Um, So getting over that and like also like how do I be a good manager like will people even like working with me because clearly like at the startup I didn't like working with that person so like I was like what if it's a me problem like what if I'm just like a horrible person to work with so getting over that um and then even just the self-doubt I think it's still something I struggle with well like I'll wake up and be like Niantic made a mistake they're wrong this game sucks and, like, that happens on the daily where, like, I'll tell my dad and my brother, like, guys, we're wasting our lives. This game is horrible. And, like, being able to, like, overcome that, which is essentially my dad and my brother telling me that they're tired of me bringing this up every single day. <laughs> so, like, just dealing with the self-doubt and, like, dealing with the, like, it's almost just, like, feeling overwhelmed and feeling like I'm in over my head. It happens, like, on a weekly or daily basis and just being willing to ask for more help too and being like hey I'm like really struggling can you help me or like just be my emotional support yeah but it's it's so great that you kind of recognize those legal challenges and kind of the challenges of confidence and stuff because I'm sure that keeps you like incredibly humble as as we've heard and also you know before you get in trouble with the law you're already aware of (laughs) some of the some of the dangers that you might need to be watching out for so that's Great. So I want to kind of transition our, our conversation with you to some casual, like a uh, fire round about, you know, your experience at MIT and kind of what you're doing now during quarantine. So are you down for this? Yeah, down. <laughs> okay. So from current MIT student speaking to you, uh, MIT alum, what was your most memorable experience at MIT? Yeah, I'd probably say the moment where I participated in my first uh, Asian dance team, like the first uh, showcase, because I had never considered myself a dancer. I still don't, because I'm really uncoordinated and stiff. But just like going and like participating in that dance showcase, like making a fool out of myself on stage, 
and really getting over that thing that I never thought I'd do, which is dancing in public and doing it was like awesome. Like, thank goodness ADT was no cut when I joined. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, I've been to the showcase every single year and you guys are amazing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a great show. Um, second question, what was your favorite class at MIT? Yeah, my favorite class was 11011, which is negotiation. And I really am an avoidant person. I hate conflict and I kind of struggle at even being able to like kind of prove my point, like being able to like really stand for what I believe in. So that class pushed me in like a crazy way. It also showed me that I am horrible at negotiation and that I have a long way to go, but it was like a very like great moment of like self-reflection too and learning kind of my strengths and my weaknesses. Yeah, I would agree. I think negotiation is definitely one of the most important skills to learn. I guess picking up the rest of the fire round questions, quarantine activity that keeps you sane. Yeah. Oh man, I love teaching virtual fitness classes. So my quarantine activity is uh, abs with Jenny, which is a every day. It's a five minute ab workout that happens at 3 p.m. PST. And I this is the 100th and seventh consecutive day that I run that class. And it's like every single day, same group, same like time frame, but different exercises. There's like high intensity interval training on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. There's like yoga on Thursdays and like a special challenge on Tuesdays. And just like doing that ab group, like having over 415 people show up to that, like over the last 107 days, like has been crazy, like friends, industry people, like professional connections, like they all show up. And like, for me, teaching fitness is like a personal, just like lifelong dream. So having that like realized over quarantine was like amazing. And like being able to raise like over like $10,000 for charity as well, like through this abs group, just like unparalleled, just like love and sanity. So yeah. That's so awesome. I can, I can just sense your like passion for fitness and kind of, it's cool that you're able to end up combining that with your other passion, which is gaming. Um, one word or phrase that embodies your startup journey? Yeah, I would say probably the word is, um, I'd say shameless slash like self-doubt, but because um, they're, they're like, they contradict, but I'd say that like probably shameless because what got me started was like not being afraid to like post my games online. And yeah, what like kept me going was like not being afraid to like ask for help sometimes and like just like reaching out to a lot of different people. Um, but also at the same time, like having this like constant like imposter syndrome, like doubt that like probably caused a lot of the shamelessness, which is just knowing that I was, I had a long way to go and I still have a long way to go. I love that. Um, so you know, I know you are running JCSoft kind of on the side and spending most of your time on Talofa, but where would you say you see the two companies going and what are the next steps for Jenny Shu? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess answering first for JCSoft, I'd say that mostly maintaining at this point, like I always feel guilty, I think, for like the fans of JCSoft that I'm like not updating as much, so I'm not making as much content like in that genre. Um, but kind of knowing that my time is like very limited. I kind of see me spending like way more time on Talofa, like making this game, uh, this running game in the next year, just like releasing it, like seeing how it does and then building a real company where like I have like maybe an office one day when that happens or at least like having like a larger team with like 
lots of full-time people or at least like a small um just small like dedicated team because right now it's like mostly like I'm the only full-time so like trying to find more people who will be full-time working with them and then yeah just like really building up a game studio that hopefully people will know or at least like play a game that is like fairly well known um and then for me personally I want to keep doing like fitness classes like keep participating in like different races and hopefully I can take abs of Jenny to like the next step or like just teach in real life too because virtual teaching is like great but I also just like love helping people in their fitness careers and elevating my own too so maybe that's like starting a YouTube channel or like starting a some sort of health blog or maintaining some form of like fitness instruction like throughout kind of the rest of my life so we'll see yeah that's so exciting oh my gosh um I think it's safe to say for myself and Chelsea that we've really enjoyed just talking to you and getting to know your journey thank Thank you guys so much Jenny How awesome is it to see how Jenny has transformed from a self-described shy kid to now CEO? What an inspiring journey. Thanks again to Jenny for coming on the couch and to Chelsea for guest co-hosting. And thanks to all of you for tuning into this episode. If you want to hear more from another incredible MIT founder, you might enjoy episode number 15, where we talk with Federico Biscotti. If you haven't already, subscribe to Founders Couch wherever you get your podcasts, leave a rating and review. And if you want to see more from us, follow us on Instagram at Founders Couch. Catch us Friday after next, August 7th, for another Founders Couch Friday. I'm Catherine Jang, and you've been listening to The Founders Couch. See y'all soon!